And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And it's just this one guy and this one gal, Stan the Fan, along with uh, producer extraordinaire Brittany Everett, and we are here for the next two hours to talk all about, usually it's all about baseball, but we're going to fit in a couple other topics along the two-hour ride today, and we hope you'll uh, join in with us. If you are listening already and say, and I tell you that you can watch us on Facebook Live, feel free to do that at Facebook dot com slash press box sports right yes all right let me repeat that again more uh, more uh, firmly facebook.com slash press box sports all right that's the way you can watch us on facebook uh live and if you somehow are watching us on facebook live and say boy i've got to switch over to radio you can do that by going to our website, pressboxonline.com slash radio. All right, here's what we've got lined up today. Rich Dubroff will chat with us about a whole host of things, including an injury to um, pitching phenom uh, Hunter Harvey, who was already on the comeback trail from his Tommy John surgery. He was scratched either from a start last night or today uh, for some long medical term that Gary Thorne gave on the broadcast last night, but the uh, layman's uh, nomenclature is a shoulder instability, and that does not sound very good at all. Rich will also talk to us about who may go uh, from the Orioles today. My vote is either Pedro Aruojo to the DL or Mike Wright DFA'd to make way for Darren O'Day, and then it looks like the Orioles will have another decision to make just two, three days hence uh, because Zach Britton has really ramped up his uh, work uh, workload and uh, appears to be just about set to come back to the big leagues. Also, Rich took a, um, a road trip last night to York, Pennsylvania to watch an um, independent league game uh, between the York uh, Club, I think they're still the Revolution, and the Long Island Ducks. It turns out the Long Island Ducks have six, count them, six former uh, Baltimore Oriole players on them. We'll go over that whole list. All right. Also joining us on today's show, my uh, favorite columnist from the North. Uh, he's also uh, he writes for the New Hampshire Union Leader and also does official scoring at Red Sox games. That's Mike Shallon. He will join us. Former Orioles video review guy from the first year of that review uh, or that uh, or that uh, process. Adam Gladstone would join us. Adam, also a longtime uh, minor league umpire and still holds a lot of connections uh, that all seem to be working for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, Adam Gladstone will join us at 11.05. And then at 11.22, those of you who watch or listen to the show regularly know that I have on one of the smartest sports business people, uh, and that is Andy Dulwich, who worked in all four of the big sports uh, NHL, NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. We can go over the whole resume later on. But he was one of the I – won't, I won't fudge this by saying he was with the Caps in year one, but I think by year three, he was 
uh, sort of their business side manager who ran uh, sales and oversaw business operation. Andy Dolich will join us. We'll also get an update on the um, the uh, not the gondolas. The yeah, the gondolas uh, that they're talking about <laughs> at a new Oakland A's stadium. The gondolas that would uh, go across the highway uh, as a way to get tra- get people from parking to the games. Uh, That will never happen, but the image is just too rich. Also, uh, we've got a big day in sports today, as if uh, Thursday night wasn't big enough with the Caps winning the Stanley Cup. We've got a chance for our second Triple Crown in three years. Uh, And it was three years ago Thursday that I was at Belmont Park and saw American Pharaoh win the first Triple Crown in 35 years, I think it was, 36 years. Um, Last one prior to him had been affirmed, I believe. Uh, There was a spate of three of them, Secretariat, Seattle slew and affirmed in about an eight-year period, and then we went 30-some years without one. Um, This guy is a longtime baseball scout, currently scouts for the Houston Astros, But he's also a racehorse trainer, and that is Hank Allen. He'll join us to talk about Justify uh, and Justify's chances to complete the Triple Crown. First, before we get to talking O's, uh, Brittany Everett and I were both talking about rocking the red and how excited we were about the Caps. And I never knew this about you because you come in and we talk baseball on this show, but you are a huge Capitals fan. How long has that been going on? Uh, ever since high school, so seven, eight years now. So, yeah, rock the red. I'm super happy about it. And you are a big enough fan that you're going to the parade on Tuesday? I am, yes. You I'm wouldn't committing. miss it, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I mean, 44 years. That is uh, real. 44 years. You haven't been around all 44 years. I know, years. but the history is just too good. Yeah, it's a it, good story. It's a great sports story. And uh, I get tired of the, you know, the jealousy or the inferiority complex in my city, Baltimore, about, oh, I don't care about anything that's Washington. Listen, uh, this, this story, the Caps' quest for the Cup and this year's run to the Cup have brought back a lot of sort of bittersweet memories for me because I was a huge hockey fan back in the early, mid-60s. Uh, and it, when it looked at one time like we were almost a fait accompli, Baltimore was, to get one of the six expansion teams in the National Hockey League until the commissioner of the league, then Clarence Campbell, came to look around our building and saw that uh, you've been to games at the Royal Farms Arena. It used yes. to be called the Civic Center. So most arenas... If this is the ice, they round, you know, the stands round it. Here, there was no, there are no stands over here, no stands over here because they weren't rounded. There were some back here, and then there were seats that were out here looking at the action, but the seats are facing over here. Uh, it was just a terrible design for sports, uh, and Baltimore has paid the price for an inept uh, building. Uh, that they they planned as long ago as the like 1908 with the planning went into started and it took them about 45 to 50 years to build what was then the Civic Center which opened I think in 1961 and that building cost us the chance for an NHL hockey team 
Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. A lot of people don't, and I plan to write that for my column for Jay Moore because it is bittersweet. Baltimore was a terrific hockey town prior to the uh, riots of 1968 that made uh, a lot of folks uncomfortable to go downtown, uh, the folks that would support a team such as that. Uh, and it was right around that time prior prior to the riots, but – uh, that and, and I have to redo my memory bank and see if that's the case, whether it was before or after. <clears throat> but 1968 was the key year I remember. They were going to pick six new teams, and they did them in um, segments of the country. They did two more in the north. Back then, the NHL only had six cities, New York and Boston, Montreal and Toronto, and Chicago and Detroit. It was like a little mini all within a 1,000 miles of each other. In 1969, I believe, was the first year these teams entered. You had Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, Minnesota and St. Louis, and San Francisco and Los Angeles. Okay, So that's when hockey expanded for the first time. Then the World Hockey League came into being, and about 1974-75, I think the NHL brought in about three or four of those cities. Edmonton was one of them. Um, and uh, Winnipeg, and uh, off off they uh, ran, and they ended up with, what do they have now, over 30 teams in the National Hockey League. But Baltimore has never since that time ever been considered a, anything, you know, but a, but a far cry from being worthy of an NHL hockey team. And it all started because of that inspection of the then Civic Center. All right. Anyway, that's uh, what we're going to be talking about today on the show. We do have to start off with a little bit of baseball. And uh, I put out my MLB power rankings. I've been doing them for six years on PressBoxOnline.com. Six years and now 12 weeks this Monday will be six years and 12 weeks. And it took six years and 11 weeks for the Baltimore Orioles to uh, fall into last place in my MLB power rankings. They are 30th, and um, there would be a tremendous distance now between the Orioles and number 29, the Chicago White Sox, but the Kansas City Royals have cooperated. I'm not saying they will definitely move into last place, but so far the Orioles this week are 2-2. Two and two. The Royals at 26 in the, in the rankings are 0-5. So uh, if they, if the Orioles somehow go three and three for the week, and the Royals go one and six, uh, Royals might trade places with the Baltimore Orioles. But it's a uh, woeful. Uh, the Orioles were able to go up to New York, win two nail biting kind of games. If you were really that engaged to be nail biting about the Orioles right now, two close games. Um, it seemed to propel them to a chance to get on a little spurt. Uh, but they went to Toronto. By the way, when they went to New York, the Mets, and I don't know if you remember this, Brittany, the Mets started the season 12-2. and two. Mm-hmm. When the Orioles went in there Tuesday night, the, the Mets had won 15 of their last 45 games. There were 15 and 30 in those next 45 games. Now we beat them. We go north of the border to Toronto. We're facing a Toronto's Blue Jays team. That was five and seventeen in their last twenty-two games, and had not won two games in a row in thirty-three games. Wow! And the Orioles go up there and have trouble. 
retiring Randall Gritchick on Thursday night, a 146 hitter at the time, 150 hitter. Uh, hits a home run last night. Uh, Russell Martin hitting 165. Uh, and you see why Andrew Kashner, while still a big a, a big plus when compared to the likes of Wade Miley, Ubaldo Jimenez, and Chris Tillman 2017, you see why this guy is like 44 and 74 or something like that. He's 30 games under 500. Gives up far too many home runs, especially – are you hearing like lightning? I, I think it's the fan blowing into the mics. Oh, is it? Yeah. Hold on. That's interesting. Is this mic on? No. Okay. I think it's All right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it sounded like lightning, it sounded like lightning thunder. and thunder, and you I don't think we have any thunder there. Anyway, by the way, we make a request each week, and I don't do it often enough. It's a big help to us if you, when you come to watch us on Facebook Live, please like us and share us. Okay? Did you do that yet? I have. I'm oh, a step you. ahead of you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. I was really proud of myself this week. Uh, you made the mention at uh, like five of how we were both sitting here ready to do the show and how focused we were and uh, efficient without Craig Heist here. Yeah. I mean, Craig kind of gives us a little bit of a setback. Uh, so. he's, he's just, uh, he comes in, he's always in a grumpy mood, right? Right, right. like uh, I'm cheerful good morning. this morning. Good morning, you know. He doesn't luckily, even say good morning. Luckily, when you say hello to him, he's pretty nice. When a woman says hello to Craig Heist, he's usually fairly nice. But he, how you doing, Craig? Mm, you know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we love our Craig Heist. And uh, after a three-week absence, today was a bit of a surprise he had forgotten that the Nats were going to uh, start the game at noon today uh, at Nats Park. Uh, they have some kind of special event that they do, and they have a big event after the game on Friday night, and then they have to come back and start the game at noon on Saturday. Uh, Craig intends to be here next week. Um, by the way, a friend of mine went to the Nats game last night, uh, my friend Till Strudwig, and he tells me the rumor is that the Stanley Cup is going to be at Nats Park today. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I would think, if my guess is that Ted Leonsis and a couple of the players will bring it onto the field or something before the game today. That would so be awesome. That would really be pretty cool. We may, in fact, want to turn on Masson here uh, in a little bit if we can get our TV working. Yeah, catch that. All right. Um, what time is it? It is 10.15 right now. Do we need to get a break out of the way or anything? Uh, you could do a read, Iron Birds Brigade. I could Give do them a, a little bit of a shout-out. I'll certainly do that right now. In fact, why don't I... Why don't I mention the Aberdeen Ironbirds and the Brigade? We'll get them both out of the way leading Go up to it. Rich Dubroff. What could be better than a night out at the ballpark with the Aberdeen Ironbirds? How about five nights at the ballpark to five sold-out weekend games? To learn more about the Ironbirds' best ticket plan ever, Go to ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292. And now I'm off script to tell you that 
We just had on Matt Slatus, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds out at Lido's Field uh, in Aberdeen at Ripken Stadium, Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium. One of the things that the club has done, they've gone into their pockets to the tune of about $400,000 to upgrade concessions, uh, and that's exciting news for Ironbird fans or baseball fans. Their first home game is the 15th which is next Friday. Before we turn to Rich Dubroff, let's mention our friends at the Baltimore Brigade. Don't miss the action at Royal Farms Arena when your Baltimore Brigade takes the field Friday, June the 15th against the Washington Valor. Enjoy fun for the whole family, including our post-game field party where you can meet the entire brigade team. Get yourself in the game for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com today. All right, joining us right now, is uh, the oft-mentioned baseball beat writer, reporter for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com, Mr. Rich Dubroff. Rich, how are you? I'm great, Stan. How are you? I'm great. First of all, I made mention of you in the uh, preamble uh, as the show started. Uh, is the York team in still the revolution? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, how were the uh, how were how were they attended last night in their game against not the very long, well not very well all right no now they played the long I, mean, I don't want to uh, I don't want to um, disparage yeah this kind of ball but it's really uh, uh, if 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 fans are really interested in 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 seeing um, good you know good ball yeah I mean it's it's uh, I'd recommend that they go see one of the Orioles affiliates. All right, I appreciate that. Now, I mean, really, I mean, I don't want to. Okay, know, let's let's uh, move on then. If we don't want to disparage them, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, the, the level of play is not. It's, the level of play is not great. All right, now, when, at certain point, you and I were texting during the game, and the Long Island Ducks, who you went to really see because they have six yes. former Orioles, they were up ten to nothing. Is that a sign? What was the final score last night? It was fourteen to three. Fourteen to three. Is that a sign right, that if York, York got a field, York got a late field goal? Late field goal. Is that a sign that if only Dan Duquette had kept the band together, this Oriole team of two thousand eighteen would be something better than they are now? <laughs> no, I don't I, think. Okay, so, tell um, us, tell us the I, six I, names. You know, the, the interesting thing there, it's not you're not going to see. It's a nice night out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you the ball the ballpark itself. I mean, I you don't hear anything about independent baseball. I know you were a, a good friend of the late Joe Klein, yep. who uh, who who uh, was instrumental in getting uh, the Atlantic League running. Yeah, he was uh, also the nice president. Of, he was the president of the league for a long time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice night out. The ballpark in York is lovely. Mm-hmm. It's nicer than. Uh, any of the, uh, you know, any of the Orioles affiliates, for example. Okay. I mean, it was built in 2007. Uh, I mean, when you compare it with uh, Frederick or, or Bowie or Delmarva, it, it's really pretty, you know, it's really pretty. There are a lot of food offerings. There's mm-hmm. a whole, um, you know, area in the outfield where kids can, you know, where kids can play. Uh, but what what it's useful for, it's kind of, it's a last chance garage stand. Mm-hmm. It's a chance for uh, players who've had experience in, you know, in professional ball 
most of them have had, have been at least double A. There are a couple of them who've topped out at, uh, at high A, but most of them have have had uh, experience at double A or higher, and it's a chance for them to to try and, and get seen, to try and, and show that they can still play in the majors. Other, you know, other players are there, like York has uh, Alexei Casilla, who uh, played for the Orioles in 2013 and briefly in 2014. Casilla is probably, you know, his dream is, is probably, you know, gone. And, you know, for some players, it's a chance for them to postpone you know, going into real life. So tell they're us a little bit. Make, you so, know, they're not in there to make money. So tell the, us a little uh, bit about the, the six players uh, that played for the Orioles that are now currently dotting the Long Island Ducks roster. Well, they, 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 the Ducks' uh, starting pitcher last night was Dale uh, Jurgens, who mm-hmm. briefly pitched for the Orioles in 2013, and he was an all-star with the Braves in 2011. He actually had a a perfect game until the fifth inning. And he threw his first complete game since uh, 2014 in any kind of ball. Wow. Uh, and, you know, he's he's there. Uh, one of the relievers is Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod. Right. Who we uh, traded Nicky you know, Delmontico for him, correct? Sorry? We traded Nicky Delmontico for him? Nicky Delmontico was... Uh, Traded to the Milwaukee Brewers, and who's now with the White with the, Sox. The White Sox. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, some players who you may not really remember, uh, Asher Tolliver, who briefly played for the Orioles in 2016, and he uh, he's moved on, he moved on to a couple other teams, and he couldn't find a job after the 2017 season. He's there. David Washington, who briefly played for the Orioles last year. Uh, did he, David you know, not there. not to disparage Snyder, not not to he, disparage David Washington? Did David ever make contact with a pitch in his brief stay uh, with the Orioles? Yeah, he put one ball in. He put one one ball in. Play. All right, good he for him. He had uh, six uh, major league at bats and struck out in five of them. Mm. So one ball was put. One ball was put in play. Okay. Um, Travis Snyder, mm-hmm. who. Uh, was uh, with the Orioles for you know about uh, two thirds of the 2015 seasons there, and the most interesting of all is Lou Ford, who uh, the Orioles rescued from the Long Island Ducks in 2012, and and he uh, he helped spark the team late in 2012 and into the postseason. Yeah, and then he's since then he basically returned to the Ducks, and Lou Ford is sort of an all-purpose uh, man for the for the Ducks. He's out, he's still playing the outfield at age 41 and hitting decently. Uh, he's their hitting coach. Yeah, that's what I thought. And he of. helps recruit players to uh, to join the to join the Ducks. So he's uh, he's he's an interesting story. All right. But it, it, it's a world I hadn't seen before. Uh, and it's a, you know it's a night you know if you live in the area if you live any you know if you live in North. Uh, in in you know northern Baltimore County, uh, or in the you know or in the York area, uh, it's not a bad place to you know to spend the night. Uh, apparently, they draw very well on uh, Saturday nights, so they have uh, you know they have and, and it's a nice you know as I said it's a nice it's a you, nice night. You're going back and you out. May see some guys, going, you may see some guys you've heard of. You going back out tonight? 
Uh, I think I have to watch the Belmont, though. Okay. Hey, let's move uh, Let's move back up to the major leagues, as painful as it is. Uh, you were up in New York. They won two, I won't call them improbable games, uh, but the pitching was very good. They f- they were facing a Mets team that was ice cold. They were f- The Mets were 15-30 and 30 coming into that series. They've gone uh, flat as a pancake. The Orioles win two games. Uh, was there a little bit of budding optimism as they left New York? I don't think that. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that this team is uh, is optimistic right now. Yeah. Thinking about optimism, you know, thinking yeah. about optimism. I think that they they would have to go on a, a most improbable streak to uh, to go on, uh, you know, to to uh, become optimistic. I think the season. It, if I think they're what they they have exactly a hundred games played. I think that was their sixty second game last night, wasn't it? I think so. Um, and they're so what twenty one and sixty. If the 61. Orioles um, split, you know their uh, their remaining games. If they went five hundred, right? There's still a hundred lost. Their remaining games, they still would lose well over ninety. That's right, over. 90. I mean, that's how that's how difficult. You know, that, that's how difficult. Uh, this season has become. I, I think that the the sort of goal um, now is well, you know, don't lose a hundred games uh, because I mean that would be that would be really embarrassing uh, for that to happen. And you know, it could. Uh, and I, you know, I keep thinking, well, it's going to get a little better. And you know, in some ways, it act. You know, sure. their May, their May wasn't as bad as their April. Right. I mean, their April was just. You God know, horrifying, yeah, yeah. and there may you know they they there were a couple of weeks where they played, you know they played decently, and the funny thing is, Stan, for the most part, you know they're not their fielding hasn't been airtight. It's gotten the least. it's gotten but better. For the most the part, they're not kicking the ball all yeah, over the place. Yeah. I mean, they're not playing fundamentally awful ball. I think right now you you just look at those averages and they, and they're just. The, the, the heads and, and they're just dreadful. You look at the scope. That, uh, look at Mancini, uh, Chance Cisco. Uh, those are uh, you know that that those, is those the head, pretty, Rich, that uh, is pretty the, hard to look at. That is the head scratching part. I mean, look, I've I've said since 2014 that this was a somewhat flawed lineup and offensive team. They've never really tried to address the on base percentage issue. And then when you have Chris Davis being kind of the albatross around your neck, but there's four or five other guys, six other guys that are doing, uh, you know, maybe a bit better than Davis, but this is a really severely challenged lineup right now. Yeah. And I think that they're going to have to, you know, and I think that they're starting slowly to, uh, to, to change things, uh, you know, bringing up Austin wins, uh, you know, pairing him with Cisco. Right. Well, that's sort of, you know, the, the, that's sort of the direction that maybe that they're, they're that they're going to go in. Uh, they're they're hamstrung because a lot of these contracts and because a lot of these players are have really big salaries. So, uh, so let me let, let me jump in and ask you about one of the most po- I think so far the leading positive story on the Baltimore Orioles 2018 is David Hess. Has 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 he thrown enough innings in front of Buck and Roger McDowell where they think he's the real deal? At least I'm not talking about like being an ace, but that he's a competent number three or four starter in the big leagues 
which would be a huge help to this team moving forward. Well, so far, so far, so far, as Buck would say, so far, so good. Um, five starts, and four of them have been quality starts. Yep. And you know he hasn't thrown a he hasn't thrown a hundred pitches yet, and it's Showalter's way to sort of you know when you have a younger pitcher, and you saw it with Bundy and Gosman to sort of ease them into that higher, you know, the 110, 120 uh, pitch range. But he has shown enough that he is going to continue to get opportunities. And, I mean, that's, you know, that's good. Tanner Scott, who may have to be sent down to the minor leagues uh, either today or, or Monday if when Darren O'Day and, and Zach Britton come back, you know, he's shown uh, yeah, no, he's shown a, he belongs. Yeah, he can belong. There, there yeah. are little, yeah, but you see, th- that's part of the rebuilding process. You know, fans just want to tear, you know, say, oh, let's blow it all up, tear it all down. But l- let's say they were able to get rid of all these contracts and all these guys. Well, I don't know that there are going to be replacements that are at hand who are going to be you know, much better now or who who aren't going to go through a difficult growing process. Like, like, like Chan Cisco is, I mean, Stan, if this team were a good team and were contending, I don't know that Chan Cisco would be on the the ball club right now. Yeah. I agree. I agree. We're talking with Rich Dubroff. He's our baseball writer for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Rich, uh, we, we go from the little bit of good news with Hess and Tanner Scott and Austin Wins to some kind of like a gut punch in the stomach last night. I heard Gary Thorne mention, and, and I wasn't listening to the beginning of what he said, was Hunter Harvey scratched last night or today? Uh, from from an I expected start, la- I thought he was scratched last night. Okay, I thought so too. I thought, I, I thought because you know I wasn't there either, and then I I did get the news that he you know had a uh, had a shoulder um, you know a shoulder issue, and that is um, you know that that is very very scary. bad news. Very bad news because you know he wasn't he he wasn't pitching well enough, and, and didn't have enough experience for the Orioles to to really be considering him right uh you know at the present time to bring up because you know you look at his numbers and they weren't great but he was making you know he was making some progress and the shoulder thing is is new uh you know he's had elbow problems in the past and they're gonna have to look at it and see what happens but you know it's been five years since they drafted him and they were hoping that you know this was the year that they were going to get a payoff from him and that this was going to be the year that he pitched all the way through, you know, he pitched two months, you know, he yeah. pitched two months of the season and that's you know, better than he'd, he'd been doing, but certainly, they, uh, certainly a major disappointment. They were hopeful that the 2018 would be sort of the Dylan Bundy 2016 season where he would go into next year, ready to kind of, with all the governance off and, you know, all the limitations off. And this puts that into some doubt right now, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, they were hoping that maybe that late in the year they yep. could bring him up and, and he could pitch in the, in the majors a little bit. You know, they did bring him up in, in April yep. uh, for a few days in the bullpen and he never got, uh, he, he never got used. And uh, all right. well, know, he, he's worked hard, you know, he's worked hard. He's a, he's a nice young man. 
and uh, it's it's very disheartening to see what's happened. All right, I know this is far afield uh, because I I don't know that he'll ever start another game for the Baltimore Orioles. Are you hearing any progress at all on the Chris Tillman front? with a rehab or anything? I know he was in down in extended spring training to get back in shape. Uh, what's the latest on Chris Tillman? Well, now extended spring training is now going to give way to the Gulf Coast, uh, you know, to the give coast to the give way to the Gulf Coast League because that league will be, uh, you know, starting up very soon. Right. Uh, the, uh, there is nothing optimistic yeah. to report on uh you know, on, on Chris Tillman right now. All right. That's, uh, that's fair enough. That he, yeah. that he is not, uh, you know, I don't know that he's making a lot of progress. Yeah. It's almost and, a show. Walter said yeah. last weekend, uh, that, that he, you know, he and Colby Rasmus, who's at, uh, Frederick, at Frederick we're going to have to show, right. Demonstrate in minor league rehabs that they could help the team, that they weren't just going to be given, spots on the team because of their major league experience that there was going to have to be uh some sh- some sign you know some signs of improvement and right now uh one of the areas that the Orioles actually are doing okay and is starting pitching you know i mean if they had some you know if they had some some more run support now i think the the, the starting you know there there are a number of these games that could be winnable yep uh, not a lot, but um, I heard, but, but 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 better. So I heard. I heard. Right Rash- now, it doesn't look like Chris. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish uh, right now. Me. You know, with the addition of David Hess to Alex Cobb and and Andrew Kashner and Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman, right now those five starters look okay. Yep. That it's not uh, an area of uh, of huge worry. Uh, Colby Rasmus, I got a report on two, three days ago, was 0 for his first 10 at Frederick. Which... He was 0 for 4. Yeah, he was 0 for his first 14, and then he was – I didn't check. I'm sorry, I should have checked yeah. before I got on. He had he, – he was 1 for 4 on thir- – he had had a hit on Thursday, so I, I didn't check um, how he did uh, Friday. But he's going to – you know he's going to have to play for a while. No question about uh, it. No question. You know, I mean, a week from now, you know, maybe a week from now they can go look. Uh, Rasmus has twenty days, right, uh, of of minor league time to uh, to show that he can uh, yeah. to show that he can play in a lot. So that's that's uh, almost two more weeks. Yeah, so he, I, I got to tell you, with with him, he's he's at a point though, Rich. That if the Orioles were, you know, if he left the Orioles and the Orioles agree, you know, he opted out of his deal with the Orioles, he'd have a very hard time signing with anybody that would put him on a major league team. Well, he can't opt out. Right. Okay. He can't yeah. opt out because he's on a major league contract. Okay, so he's on a major league contract, but after the well, well, twenty days, the Orioles would the list. Orioles would d- DF he... the Orioles would DFA him then. Right. I mean, well, once. Or just, or just simply, or just simply release him. Right, but I'm saying, in um, other words, if he proactively said, you know, hey guys, I think I'm close. I'll take an assignment back to the minor leagues. I think he's got to do that if he really is intent on playing major league baseball. He, to think that a major right. Well, league... then, then, and this is a technicality. Yeah. Then he would have to. Then he would have to be. Um, designated for assignment. Right. Or actually, he would have to. He would have to be waived. 
and he would have and, to clear through clear waivers. Right. Which which he would. There's no, there's time. no other team that's going to take him right now. Right. But yeah. I mean, I, as I said, it's a technicality. But that's what he would have to do. Right. Right. Um, so they've if he, got. If he, if he wished to. They've got, in the case of Chris Tillman and Colby Rasmus, you know, at one time, very solid major league performers. Tillman, of course, a, a lot better at what he did than, than Rasmus. The two of them really have to look in the mirror. I mean, I cannot see Chris Tillman, as much as I loved him, uh, pitching in the majors in any meaningful way unless he somehow reinvents himself with a new delivery, a new arm slot, something that, that ends up, you know, befuddling hitters a little bit or gives them something new to look at. He, he's been one of the poorest performers uh, over now parts of three seasons, you know, and it's very sad to watch. Well, it, it is sad. And, you know, uh, the Orioles, unfortunately, have had a lot of those yep. you know, poor performers. I saw an interesting story the other day where Chris Davis was statistically on his way to the worst season in baseball history. Wow! If he could, you know, if they could, if he continues to play and continues to perform, listen, uh, the listen, way he is. we, so we this, know. Just, I mean, it's just an unfortunate time for for Orioles fans. Yeah, I mean, look, we know what that contract has turned into. I don't think there's anybody that could have foreseen that. Even the no. harshest critic of that contract could have foreseen that this guy would not be at least a 25 home run, 75 RBI, 240, 230 hitter. You know, at his worst. Well, that's basically, Stan, you know, that's basically kind of, sort of, what he was the first two years. Right, right. Um, yep. yeah, of the of the contract. And, you know, you it seemed like a, a, he was sort of in the same place that yep. uh, Ryan Howard was. Exactly. When he signed the contract to Philly. He's about the same age, but Howard signed, I guess, for five years and, and had, uh, and went downhill, but not quite as far as, um, as Davis has, and this is just, uh, it's, you know, it's, every, I mean, everybody's, everybody's befuddled yeah, yeah. and hey, hey, before uh, we... it, it's just really say, you know, and it's just really sad because it's going to hamstrung, it's yeah. going to hamstrung the organization and look at it. Peter Angelos wanted this deal done and he wanted it done for the fans because he thought the fans wanted yes, Chris Davis. Yes, 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 yes. You know, and so many, as you know, so many fans, were so eager to keep him, and they were delighted. Yeah, when they had it, and of yeah. course, everybody I, denies. You know, I was delighted. I, I don't revise my history. I was very much in favor of the signing, but I never, I never thought it would be seven for one sixty-one. I thought it would be five for one ten, something like that. You know, which that would made, still, that, that, that that would still would be horrible. But you'd be, but you'd only have two more years, years left, not four more years. Uh, yeah, quick, uh, before we, it, before we so let sad. you go, before we let you go, um, real quick, who's going to go for O'Day and Britain? I won't pin you down to which one for which one. Is right a possibility? I don't think so. Because other than last night, you know, he'd started to pitch, you know, to pitch a little better. Okay. And of course, he would. They'd like to hang. They'd like to try and hang on to that to him. Okay. And as I said, he's pitching a little better. So and somebody would grab him. If so they, who goes? So know, who does if, go? If they designated him for assignment, because they think that he he could be a a, a good pitcher. All right, Tanner and Scott has Tanner an option, Scott. right? And then Arojo to the DL, possibly. Oh, I have I have no idea about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, uh, you know, I know that he hasn't pitched, you know, he hasn't pitched much, but I, I couldn't speculate on that. All right. Lastly, we've got about a minute and a half. I know you've covered the caps for a long time. Not, not ever the, the beat writer, but when you were working for Comcast and you've done some games as recently as this year for AP, uh, your thoughts on the caps and their big, big win. Well, you know, it's always fun. Uh, Speaking of, you know, Oriole fans have been so sad. Well, Capital fans are the um, are the exact opposite now, and there's so many new uh, Capitals fans around Baltimore. Yeah. You know, people who really didn't care about hockey, and it, it, it's fun when a team has never won before yeah. and they've won, or a team hasn't won in a very long time, yeah. like the Cubs. But you, you've had around the, you know, around the country, around the sports world, in, in recent years, the Cubs and the Eagles and the Cavaliers and the Astros and and the the, White uh, Sox, you know, know, and the the, Astros, uh, and here the, the Capitals never having uh, won or, or, or winning for the first time in a long time. And, and fans are good. Fans are really thrilled by it. And of course, Oriole fans just hope that maybe someday they'll get to be that happy. All right. Rich Dubroff, you're uh, doing yeoman's work in this one of the toughest seasons to cover the Orioles uh, in recent memory. Thank you very much for being on. We'll talk to you down the road and see you at the ballpark Monday night. Okay, look forward to it. Thank you, All right, and go justify. Go justify. All right. (laughs) All right. There you go. Rich Dubroff. All right, we're going to make our contact with uh, Mr. Shallon in just a moment. Uh, right now, I'll tell you, though, a little bit about Big Bats Cafe. You're going to call Mike Shallon, right? Uh, Big Bats uh, Cafe. Let's talk about Ken Island's original sports bar. Located at 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. On the way down or back to or from the Eastern Shore, there's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. It's a great place to watch the O's, I, the Nats, And during their seasons, the Wizards or the Caps and also the great lacrosse games, um, it's a a great place to sample the best bar grub around, whether it's sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs, great wine list, great beer list. Big Bats Cafe, Steve Garland is our guy at Big Bats Cafe. We'll have him on next week to give us a little bit of a a beach traffic report. That's uh, Big Bats Cafe. Located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. First exit after the Bay Bridge. Um, make a left, and then you're about a quarter of a mile away from a little bit of sports heaven. All right. Joining us now is always one of my favorite people to talk to, and that is um, one of the, the bigliest um, people I know, and that is the New Hampshire Union Leaders lead sports columnist, Mr. Mike Shallon. Mike, how are you? Dan, how you doing? All right, I was reading your exploits in um, Words with Friends. You used the word bigly, huh? I, you know, I did. I figured if it's good enough for POTUS, it's good enough for me. And as I said in the post, I was <laughs> I was told that it scored more points than anybody in the history of Words with Friends. So, wow, and that's uh, and that's great. And it's all about attitude, not about preparation. You know, yeah. I, and I don't know that for a fact. It's just what people told me. All right, hey, um, <laughs> you're a longtime hockey guy. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there's nobody that can feel bad about the Capitals story, is there? Well, there are. You know, there are people who <laughs> in Las Vegas. Hold it. 
well, the people would still hold it against Ovechkin for what he was, I think, early in his career. But I think he has transformed himself um, into the complete hockey player. Mm-hmm. Now, there were times where he used to take shifts off and he would he would hang and he would not come back and he would do. But now, but now he's he's become the ultimate leader, and I really think that for his legacy, uh, this was this was very important. You know. Uh, we saw the Astros then get get their first uh, title for Houston, and now we've seen the Capitals do the same thing. And you wonder if there might be a little bit of magic with the Washington Nationals. We'll wait and see. You know, I understand uh, from somebody that was at the game last night, there's a lot of buzz that apparently the Stanley Cup is going to make its first perhaps public appearance in Washington before mm-hmm. today's uh, Nats game against the Giants. Well, I saw I saw videos of uh, of Ovi parading it through the lobby of the MGM, MGM Grand. And I can't I can't imagine more of a of a recipe for disaster than a bunch of hockey players winning a Stanley Cup in Las Vegas. <laughs> right, right, right. No question about that. <laughs> that must have been a pretty wild night. Uh, it must have been, but I knew I knew you'd put some perspective on the on the Caps and and their season. It, uh, very exciting for folks nearby here. A lot of Baltimore people still, you know, don't uh, don't cross the DMZ line. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. hey, if we can talk to North Korea, I think Baltimore can get a, a little bit excited about the Caps' victory. I think I think so, and you know, I, you know, I, I go back to the Yvonne Bray era. You know, and, yeah, sure. And, uh, was was Greg Jolly? Was he that guy too? And and uh, I don't remember. You know, I, it, yeah. Listen, it's been a long it's been a long haul. There's no question about it. They they got their um, the monkey off their backs, if you will. And and it was nice to see Zach Galifianakis in goal winning a Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point, good point. We're talking with Mike Shallon, New Hampshire Union leader, sports columnist, also an official scorer at Fenway Park. Um, let's turn to baseball a little bit. This this is shaping up as a, a an incredible two-team race for the entire season, isn't it, between the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees? Well, you know, it sure seems that way, and the loser is gonna <clears throat> gonna have to put it on the line in one game. Um, you know, against I guess the Cleveland Indians is the way it looks now, but um, you know, it's two teams that are that are flying high as as far as um, you know. They both have new managers, uh, so you figure there there would have been some sort of an adjustment. The Yankees didn't start well. The Red Sox did, and uh, the Yankees are now they're now doing something that they weren't doing last year even, and that is winning close, low scoring games. And when you've got the big bats um, and and the lesser bats, if you will, right. Because the other night they won a game in Toronto when uh, Andujar hit a grand slam and Hicks hit a three-line homer. The Red Sox are struggling a little bit. Um, you know they were playing very well even without Mookie. And um, last night they played without Mookie and Martinez, and they um, you know they wasted a, a Chris Sale effort. So uh, I think both teams. Uh, you know I'm not going to say they've clinched anything, but it certainly looks like they have. And and. Uh, and they are explosive teams, and remember, they still have 13 games against each other. So this, this could be a fun summer around here. Talk to me a little bit about, everybody knows about Chris Sale. Everybody knows about David Price. We all know about the former Cy Young Award winner, Rick Porcello. 
after that, it was sort of a catch-as-catch-can, but Eduardo Rodriguez has really stepped up to be solid in that number four spot. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, uh, like out of nowhere again, uh, Stephen Wright has come back from the dead, and he's pitched some brilliant baseball his first 24 innings or so of this season. Well, you know, one thing about Wright, he was an all-star two years ago. Yep. And, and um, you know, he, as he said after his uh, start the other night, his first start since last April 29th, by the way, but it, he said this is the first time I've gone to the Mount Healthy since August of 2016. You remember, mm-hmm. he got hurt as a, as a pinch runner. Wow, uh, I'd forgotten diving that. Diving back into second base, he hurt his shoulder. So that set him back, and then the knee thing last year, and then, of course, he had the off-field thing. So uh, I think he could he could be a real a real ace in the hole for them because you know he was higher in the rotation when he left and Rodriguez you know he doesn't give you a lot of innings but he gives you uh, he gives you strikeouts and he gives you zeros and and uh, uh, you know it, it's so the the game is so wacky now I just heard a stat last night from Bob Costas that in the last nineteen games the Mets starting pitching is the best in baseball two point three. Two point three six, and they've ERA. probably won four games. Five, five, five and fourteen, right. Out of those nineteen games, right. so everything is kind of upside down. You know, I, I I used a note in tomorrow's column about you know Tanaka getting hurt last night running the bases, and obviously that brought chimming long memories mm-hmm. back to the Yankees. But and I said that you know it's, the whole thing is crazy having pitchers on the bases, and but last night there were RBI singles by three National League pitchers, so. <laughs> You know, one thing about baseball, you show up at the park and, heck, the Blue Jays even won two in a row for the first time since May May 1st. So, uh, you know, something something crazy happens in baseball almost every game. Last night, I don't know if you saw the highlights of the Cubs game yesterday. No, I did not. But Ian Happ had a hat trick of great catches. Three great catches in left field at Wrigley, at Wrigley Field. So, you, you go to the ballpark, you just, you just don't know what you're going to see. Let me ask you a question. I know there's some, and you you are a big time writer. Uh, you've you've written in New York, in Boston, and uh, there, there's a couple of the the big baseball writers now in, in this generation. Jason Stark uh, wrote a column for the National dot com, the Athletic dot com, about right. ten days ago, uh, and he and he's incredible with the numbers and you know i've reached out to you to help me with some numbers sometimes through your friends mm-hmm. at stats there's going to be they're on pace for 42,000 strikeouts this year in major league baseball which would be 5,000 more i think than ever before or or 5 years ago something i forget what the no, it's gone it's gone up every year it's it's just and there's so much inaction now Buster Olney of ESPN.com uh, wrote a piece the other day suggesting that, that baseball should go, and I, I think it was a fairly serious proposal that they put a limitation on how many pitchers you can use in a game other than for really a legitimate injury where somebody can't mm-hmm. go anymore. Uh, are we getting to that point where there's so much inaction in the game because of the strikeouts that baseball is going to have to do something to legislate something different? Well, then the Indians game last night, um, who they play last night, but there were 13 or 14 strikeouts by both starting pitchers. Right. They the they won the game 3-1 to one against yeah. – um, What's that? Oh, God, I can't remember. Wait a minute, I've got my – Detroit, maybe? Yeah, Detroit. It yes, was former, it was Detroit. It was Detroit. and Bauer. Yep. 
Um, you know, I, listen, in April there were more strikeouts than hits, and I'm sure the same is going to be true for May. No, it's going to uh, be it's going to be just off. They're they're not going to quite off, get more. Okay. Yeah, Jason uh, Stark had that in his column. Yeah. Okay. Well, I should I I can always defer to Jason when it comes to numbers, but uh, um, I don't I don't know what you do about it. I really don't. Um, you know, I, I am starting to drift toward the, the extra innings thing, though, I can tell you that. Um, you know, John Smoltz is on, is on board with that now, with, with putting the runner at second base or putting runners at first and second in whatever inning you decide to, because these games that drag on, you know, as kids, we loved it. We loved yeah. the, you know, the more baseball you can give us, the more doubleheaders you can give us. But just to watch, watch guys standing up there swinging for home runs so they can get Gatorade dumped on their heads, um, which we which didn't happen obviously when we were kids. Well, it was no Gatorade for one thing. But anyway, yeah, um, you know, I I think that we um, didn't know we didn't know what an electrolyte was back then. No, we didn't. We yeah. didn't. We thought it was a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> but the uh, uh, I I I'm starting. Smalls came out and said he's starting to drift towards it, and and I think I am too. I think you know as a scorer. You know, I don't have any deadline problems. They can play 25 innings. It doesn't matter to me. Right. But, you know, the fans, you know, the ones that hang out, and it's so cold in the Northeast and the beginning and the end of the season, I can I can really see the game drifting towards the towards the extra inning setup of, of trying to of trying to end the thing. What's the um, What's the right inning to do that? Is it after maybe know. after 12 yeah. innings? You know. Yeah, no, maybe going into the twelfth. Okay, after eleven innings, you know, they can, uh, listen. They can expand the rosters, which I think would help a lot. Right, but they're not going to do that because they're not going to pay the money. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about the '69 Mets, uh, a team that I loved and cherished and, and and rooted for every game. But the the Mets, Gil Hodges was the master of platooning. The Mets had three players. Bud Harrelson, Tommy Agee, and Cleon Jones, who played every day. All the other positions were platoons. Right. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you they had a nine or ten man pitching staff, didn't it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, now now you just you, you, the managers can't really make any moves. You got pitchers. Scott Scherzer got a hit the other day as a pinch hitter. Uh, you know, it, it's just there are things wrong. I, listen, I love, I still love the game. Yeah. I can still sit and. And watch it and appreciate it, but I don't think there's, a, there's ever a game where I don't sit there and go, "This is, this is kind of draggy," you know. And you, especially what you got going on in Baltimore this summer. It's been draggy. That we wish the games could be seven inning games. Yeah, yeah. The game, the season's over, and it's yeah. over in so many cities already. Yeah. which is which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, we're talking about the race for the best record in the American League East. In, in essence, well, I guess you got to put the Mariners now threatening the Astros. Yeah, they're but, they're they're a legit wild card contender, no question. Well, once about they it. got rid of Cano, they uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I, I I'd like to see them do something to spice up the game. But I, you know, so for one thing, I, I you know I, I've been anti DH all these years, and it's obvious the DH isn't going anywhere in the American League. So just make it the same for everybody. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Let me ask you a question. If, if in fact, we're at the point where what Buster is proposing, and, and while Buster is a, a free thinker, I wouldn't think he'd have written that unless there's some indication that it's at least on the board to talk about. So one of the things that I think is even 
which which exacerbates the problem he's addressing with this is this accordion style roster you have where well if you use a guy for three innings mm-hmm. he can't help you for three days so we're gonna option him down and bring in a fresh arm so you, so mm-hmm. your pitching rosters not only are they 11 12 or 13 to begin with there's this accordion thing going on mm-hmm. where you've got three or four extra guys that are always going to be popping through. Um, I think that would do away with that as well. Well, you know, first of all, you got to realize that the guys you're bringing in are minor league pitchers. Yep. that's the first thing, which doesn't, which obviously doesn't help the game. But um, the only problem I can see with what he's talking about, and I, I do remember seeing that. Uh, the limit of four could be exceeded by a legitimate in- injury. So how do you how do you determine what's a legitimate right, injury? Right, the guy, the guy you have to you know like you remember so, Dave Javecki where everybody in the stadium right. heard his, heard have his a, arm break. You have an immediate you know, lie detector. You have a lie detector yeah, test. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. how do you that, that would be so difficult to 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 you know arbitrate? So I, I don't know. I you know, it's, part of me says leave it alone. Yep. And, and and let's watch and see and see what happens. Um, you know. Meanwhile, the sport is making money hand over fist, and 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 uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it's completely broken. Obviously, there are parts of it that are, uh, but it has it has always had a way of correcting itself. You know, in 1947, it began a correction, which uh, which has led up to to today with the the blacks and and Latin players and. Uh, you know, in 1968, you had the, uh, the ridiculous mound thing, so they cut the mound down. Uh, so it, it has always kind of seemed to correct itself, but I wonder now if the problems aren't too big. Hey, uh, I've been doing my own baseball power rankings. One day, seven years ago, I was sitting there reading Peter Schmuck's weekly power rankings, and I said, you know what, that's something I can do. So I started doing them. And um, the Orioles, for the first time, are number 30 in my power rankings and well-deserved. But I don't know that in the past I've ever had the first four teams be from one league or the other. I've got the Yankees at one, Boston, this is from Sunday, uh, uh, the week that ended this past Sunday. Had Boston two, Houston three, Seattle four. Seattle is now actually in first place by a game over the Houston Astros. Um, right. Is the American League that much better than the National League? Well, it's you know that that's a, that's something that does go in cycles. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that the Washington Nationals should be there, but they've had so many injuries that it's uh, it's very difficult to to uh, to have them up there. But right now, sure it is. It's, it's we, we're going through a stretch where. Um, you know, the National League, you know, you like what the Braves are doing and the Phillies are doing, you know, coming back with the, with the young players, uh, except for that old guy in right field in, in Atlanta who used to play in Baltimore. But, uh, yeah, it is. And, and you know, there's no way, you look at any of the contending teams in the American League, there's no way that any of them, as of right now, would not be the favorite going into the World Series. We're talking with Mike Shallon, New Hampshire Union leader, and uh, also he's a columnist for that uh, fine publication and on their website, and he also does the Boston Red Sox um, uh, official scoring there at Fenway Park. Uh, Real quick before we let you go, uh, what's fascinating to me about the Yankees in Boston this year 
is they've got these brand new managers who have, you know, virtually no managerial experience. What's mm-hmm. this going to do for the chances of people like Buck Showalter, Joe Girardi, and I know they're aged differently a little bit, but are, are we entering a period where some of those older names that would have recycled um, may have a tough time ever managing again? Um, I think Girardi will get a job. Uh, you know, I probably, you know, you, you look at Dusty Baker. Dusty, Dusty and Buck are, are in uh, tough spots right now, I think. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, um, but, you know, Buck has, one thing Buck has done is he's brought immediate success everywhere he's gone. Yeah. And that, that could be something that, that tantalizes an owner. Um, but like you say, Look at the success, and again, if Washington gets their players back, you could have Dave Martinez. You got three exactly. rookie managers in the playoffs. Yep. So, uh, you know, the youth, the youth thing. Kapler overcame his early problems and, and has the Phillies. Well, they were playing decently. They're kind of getting beat up a little bit now. But um, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. No, you know, I, I don't I either. Think it's been it's been a good it's been a good old boys club since the beginning of time. And obviously, I'd like to see more minorities running running teams, both in the GM and the manager job. Uh, but to me, it seems like Buck would have at least one more chance. But I don't know. Is he go? Is he is he leaving Baltimore? What are, what are they going? What's how they how are they going to resolve that? It's such a it's such a it's such a muddled situation right now. It really mm-hmm. is. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have thought three or four weeks ago we'd be talking with the Orioles as bad as they are. Um, so I never thought it was really a possibility. I don't know that he'll get fired during the season. I, I have a hard time imagining him back in that locker room next year. I really do. Well, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be stuck with some contract. Well, oh, God, the contract on first yeah, base. It's uh, unbelievable. Any so shot that uh, Dave Dombrowski would take it, like for Mitch Moreland? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you jump on that one. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, the Orioles have bigly problems. There's no question bigly. about that. All Absolutely. right. Mike Shallon, always a pleasure. Are we going to see a Triple Crown winner today? What do you think? Uh, well, let's see. Now, I don't think Judge, Judge doesn't have the batting average to win the Triple Crown. He's win the home. And, oh, you mean horse racing. <laughs> I got you. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I always root for it when it comes about. Having uh, having been there as a young younger man, much younger man, when the great secretariat did it, and uh, I think it would be great. I think uh, first of all that that sport could use the shot in the arm. So no question about let's it. Just, let's justify the whole thing. All right, sounds good, Mike. We'll talk to you down the road. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, take care, sir. There you have it, Mike Shallon, a New Hampshire Union leader and an official scorer at Fenway Park. We're going to take. Uh, Time out when we get back. Adam Gladstone joins us. Baseball lifer. He's been a minor league umpire, minor league executive, uh, runs Team Israel, assistant general manager of Team Israel, also former video assist review guy for the Baltimore Orioles. He joins the bat around after this. Still upcoming, Andy Dolich, who early in his uh, sports career worked with the Washington Capitals back in the mid-'70s for about four or five years. And then after Dolich, we'll have Hank Allen on uh, to talk about Justify. Hank Allen, of course, longtime baseball player, baseball scout, currently with the Astros, but also a longtime horse trainer. We'll talk Triple Crown with him. But first, let's pay a couple bills. 
Get sizzling summer savings on a huge selection of new Chevys this month at Jerry Chevrolet. How hot are these savings? Well, how about up to $15,000 off Kinda Hot, including up to 25% off MSRP on new 2018 Chevy Cruises and Malibus. Jerry's has new Equinoxes with payments from $169 a month and new tracks from only $119 a month. Plus, every new Chevy comes with Jerry's exclusive extended service care. Visit Jerry Chevrolet on Joppa Road and online at jerrychevrolet.com. I'm Jill Powell. Each day I'll bring you the latest from the floor of the Maryland General Assembly. I'll speak with the newsmakers and feature the sound that is shaping the future of Maryland. Be sure to catch the Maryland Capitol Report at any time at marylandnewsnetwork.net. Don't miss the action at Royal Farms Arena when your Baltimore Brigade takes the field Friday, June 15th against the Washington Valor. Enjoy fun for the whole family, including our post-game field party when you can meet the entire Brigade team. Get yourself in the game for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com today. What could be better than a night out at the ballpark with the Aberdeen Ironbirds? How about five nights at the ballpark to five sold-out weekend games? With the Ironbirds' best ticket plan, you'll get to see fireworks, a national entertainment act, or a special guest appearance every game, while reaping the rewards of a season seat member like a unique giveaway and a priority access to playoff tickets and special events all for just $50 a seat. For more information, go to ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-929. That's 410-297-9292. You and your family don't want to miss out on the Iron Bird's best ticket plan ever. Okay, so what do you get when you combine the Chick-fil-A Vanilla Ice Dream and their Simply Orange Juice? Well, introducing the all-new Frosted Sunrise from our friends at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. It's perfect with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Nothing refreshes like the Chick-fil-A Frosted Sunrise. And hey, if you prefer lemon, try the Frosted Lemonade. Don't forget to think about Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square as well. For all of your catering needs, graduation parties coming up, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard, in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand, for me, why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. And we are back on the bat around. And uh, just to remind you that Ken Zalas, Sarita Hubbard, Kyle Ottenheimer tomorrow with Fantasy and Reality Football Show from 10 to 12. And then Glenn Clark has the days off of Monday and Tuesday as I fill in for him. 
we thank him for filling in for me last week, but we will uh, chat. Uh, Kyle and I will be plotting what we're going to do on the show on Monday and Tuesday. I uh, want to always thank our sponsors, Aberdeen Ironbirds, Chesapeake Bayhawks, UMBC Sports Marketing, Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square, Jerry's Toyota, Chevrolet, Mitsubishi, Buffalo Wild Wings, Goodwill, Baltimore Brigade, U.S. Army, Section 336, SFMSports.net, and Maryland News Network. Uh, We appreciate their participation as sponsors of our show. Joining us right now is a guy I refer to as a baseball lifer. Uh, He's been a minor league umpire, minor league executive, uh, was a great friend of the the late Joe Kleins, uh, and uh, learned baseball business from, from Joe and he's also uh, was the Orioles' first video review guy in the first year of video replay. He joins us now. He is Adam Gladstone. Adam, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, as always. Hey, Adam, and you were also, I should have said, the first uh, co-host on the, the batter round when we started this three years ago. Um, I want to ask you something. I hadn't thought about this as a topic for you today. But what are we now? This is this is the fifth year of video review, I believe. Yeah, two, 2014 was the first year that they had advanced replay, right? Uh, and, and really rolled out the, the whole gamut. So yeah, this is uh, this is going on year five, and um, you know, I, I I I've always said. Now, granted, I was a little biased in that that was what was a lot that allowed me the opportunity to work at the big league level. So I was supportive of it, but the it has been so good for the game to get the plays right, while understanding that it's also deterred from a lot of arguments, which take up a lot of time. So it's actually pretty funny. People argue about the fact that video replay takes up an extra two or three minutes sometimes when they're mm-hmm. when they're you know they've got a hard look you know hard uh, decision to make in New York. But in actuality, think about the time it saves from having the arguments of the managers and the, and the umpires. And, and so there's, you know, there's a, a give and take on both sides. And, and I'll be honest with you from being an umpire, I miss those arguments. I, I think that that's still a part of the game that has kind of gone by the wayside. And, you know, we stand, you and I have talked about this a couple of times with unfortunately the, the way that the uh, Orioles are playing this year and the season that they're having, there have been quite a few times that Buck could have gone out there and had one of those prolonged arguments. Sure. And because of replay, maybe he didn't do it, but but that's not always why you argue, as you and I both know. So it's, you know, it's got its give and take, and um, I'll always be a supporter of replay because it will allow not only the umpire, but also the player to know that every chance was given to get the call right. You know, it's interesting. Baseball spells out pretty clearly, and I don't think every fan that's sitting there or every media person like myself knows which things are challengeable and which aren't. The NBA had a situation the other night where they reviewed um, a charge that was initially uh, uh, called on the the Golden State Warriors at a key moment in the game, and somehow they allowed that to be video replayed which seemed like it was almost like precedent setting, and they did reverse the call. I thought they got the call right, but I was questioning at what point do you allow replay, and when is it just overboard to allow it? Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, I, 
You know the that was one of the you know the play I'm talking about. You know the yeah. play I'm talking about. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I read that. I don't know if you saw this this story. I'm sure you probably did, but because of that play and because that call was changed, LeBron James was so angry that after game one, he went in and he punched the whiteboard. And according to reports, he was he played with it essentially a broken hand the next three games. Of the wow. Series. Wow. Uh, yeah, I so, just read something about that he played with a self-inflicted uh, hand wound, but I didn't. I didn't read the article, so that's what it, what happened. Unbelievable. No, it was either that or he, he was he it hit was, J.R. Smith in the I, side of the head. I think if J.R. Smith's head would have been where that whiteboard was, <laughs> he might have hit that as well. We're talking exactly. with Adam. We're, we're talking with Adam Gladstone about some umpiring and video. So overall, in five years in, we're in the fifth season of it. You think it's being done correctly? Are there tweaks to it, the system that you'd like? Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny. You and I had this conversation the other night in that you eventually think that or you would like to see the system in place electronically to call balls and strikes. 100%. 100%. And, and, and even though I'm, I'm drastically opposed to that because I would see you would see 68 – Guys lose their job essentially. Hold, hold on, um, I'm not. I want to be very clear because I'm sensitive to people losing their job, and I know that the umpires' union would fight it. I'm not sure. saying to do away with a home plate umpire. He would still be needed to adjudicate calls at home plate, call box, right. uh, call plays at the plate, um, and if and if the electronics weren't working on a given night, jump back in there and do that. So I'm not in any way, shape, yeah. or form suggesting, hey, that'll save money by firing 30 umpires or something like that. Sure. No, I, I, I get it. I just, you know, I guess I'm such a stickler, and, and I hate to use this, the, the, the term old school, but yeah, I, know. I just think that's, that's, that's part of the game. And, um, but ironically, what I was getting to was the system, the Hawkeye system that we had in place or that Major League Baseball has in place and every year they tweak it a little bit, is the same system and is created by the same company that does tennis. So you're, you're going to see, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that Major League Baseball will, expi- will, will experiment with trying to create a, a program that does allow you to call balls and strikes and just to see how that would affect the game. But, I mean, it, it's... I don't know. The, the human element of the game to me is so important. But, but you know, it's funny. I mean, all these researches, research studies come out, and when they look at the umpire calls that they make, you know, 95% of the time they're correct. It's those 5% that get magnified. You know, it's interesting, Buster, and we just talked to Mike Shallon, who you, you met through the show. Uh, we were talking sure. to him about Buster Olney's column the other day on ESPN.com was about, in his opinion, the game has gotten to such a critical juncture with inaction with how many strikeouts there are and how many how few balls are put into play that he is suggesting a limit of four pitchers per game per team with with the one proviso that if somebody really got an injury a serious injury where they couldn't pitch now again how would you decide that and i think the number 4 is probably a little low I think maybe five is the right one. But, again, if you were doing that, if, the, if baseball were to move to that, I think it would really even make more important the idea that 
strikes be strikes and balls be balls, and the pitchers know where they're going to get their strikes in a given game. Sure. No, I, I, I get that, and, and I'm also going to take it a step further in that it's not only going to change that, but it's going to change the, the true definition of starters and relievers. Mm-hmm. And I need to give credit where credit's due, and I'm going to give it to a good friend of ours and a good friend of the show's, Rob Nelson, and this is an honest-to-God true story. In 2001, Rob Nelson and I were in Palm Beach for Cal Ripken's fantasy camp. Okay. And Nelly was a big part of it. And there was a morning where I was driving the truck, Cal was in the front seat, Rob was in the back seat with Buck Showalter, Brian Butterfield, and Jim Leland. Right. And it was at this point that Rob Nelson... Now, man, this is 7.30 in the morning, and there's a good chance that a lot of us didn't go to bed till 5. Right. So everybody was a little groggy. But Rob Nelson at that point brought up his idea and his philosophy of the opener. So back in 2001, Nelly was the first person that I ever heard say, you know what? I think the first three outs are just as important as the as last, last three, three outs. outs. So you're talking about what uh, the Kevin Cash is doing now. Nelly was talking about this years ago. Yeah, but and not only Kevin Cash, but there was another club or two that's done something yeah, like this recently. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, you know, it, it all goes into the how everybody's trying to be creative, and it goes back to, I know we're going to talk about this, but these these front offices that may be too smart for their own good that are trying to one-up each other and trying to come up with the new greatest thing that nobody else is, has, has come up with yet, and it's only going to continue to evolve and I think, unfortunately, for, for guys like you and me, it's going to take away from the game that we grew up loving. We're talking with Adam. We're, we're we're talking with Adam Gladstone, baseball lifer. He's been in the game for close to thirty years, I guess. Um, Adam, one of the things uh, you and I talked about earlier in the week when I projected having you on the show was Jake Arrieta. Signed a yep. you know a substantial contract. It's probably not the five or six years that uh, Scott Boris would have hoped for, but he got three highly paid season from the Phillies. This past weekend, the Phillies started their first little. Well, they they probably started the season a little bit with some tricky uh, tricky waters, but they, they it's been pretty smooth sailing for about five or six weeks. They just had a little bump this week. They got swept in San Francisco, and this week they have now lost three out of four games. Jake Arrieta, after Sunday's loss to the Giants, a sweep out in San Francisco, had some sort of unflattering things to say about his team and the need to kick it into another gear. Can you talk about a little bit about that that being just as big a reason that he was signed as the, the actual pitching? Absolutely. I think, I think everybody knows by now the story that, that Jake, you know, d- didn't work out here in Baltimore, <clears throat> worked out pretty good in Chicago for <laughs> yes, him, and, and had an opportunity to go to Philadelphia where it was a reunion to him. Yep. And, and, you know, someone that you and I both know pretty well, Tommy Hunter, was a big recruiter for him and, and knew that, you know, we've talked about it on the show, that the Philadelphia Phillies organization is an up-and-coming organization with a lot of young players, and a lot of money that they can spend, and they're starting to be—they're starting to show signs of success. Now, in any any season, you're going to have your ups and downs, but it's important when you have such a young club and a club that's not 
accustomed to winning yet to have those guys, those few guys that have been there before that guys can, can work off of. And um, Jake Arietta, right, wrong, or indifferent after that loss in uh, out West on, on Sunday laid into his team and said, look, you know, we're, we got a day off tomorrow. We need to, and, and, and Jake Arietta didn't, not only did he call out a couple of his own players, yep. but he also called out his manager and he called out his, I'm going to call the front office and the staff that, um, that, that helps put together the shifts. And he says, we have not done a good job in utilizing our shifts. We haven't done a good job. And he talked about some of the base running blunders or the plays that needed to be made. And you know what? All he's doing, he's not hiding about it. He's not talking off the record. He's, he's trying to, ra- he's, he's trying saying, to raise, he's trying to raise the bar. He's raising the bar and he's making people accountable. Yep. And as much as this day and age with players being young, and I'm going to be honest with you, being coddled and organizations do a lot to make sure that these kind of things don't happen. I think it's really good for these things to happen because it's an old school move. And he's saying, guys, look, I'm telling you out front, and I'm saying this because it's eventually going to make our club get better. And, you know, the, the next part was, well, how does a first-year manager like Gabe Kapler, who had his own issues in the beginning of the mm-hmm. season, and we haven't heard much about that, how does he handle a situation like that? And he, he came out and he agreed. And, and it, it helps, believe it or not, as you know, Stan, it helps a manager to have a veteran player like that who's able to stand up. And then Gabe has no choice, to be honest with you, even though it's the right thing to do, to support what Jake said. And it's good for that to happen, and it's good for these guys these players to police themselves within the clubhouse. Yeah, it's just interesting to watch right now. The Phillies are two and seven over their last nine games, their first real speed bump of the season. And they've got Milwaukee for two more this weekend. Then they go out to Milwaukee next weekend. So they had a twelve game stretch where they were going to play the Cubs three, Milwaukee six, and I think it's Colorado three. Um, not an easy stretch for the Phillies. Adam, uh, really appreciate your being on. We're going to jump over to our next guest, but uh, yep. appreciate it. And we got to get you in again, or at least get Nelly in to talk about that story. That's a great story. Uh, we, no, you could do a whole show, a whole two-hour show on Nelly, and he, he's worth it, and he's one of the good guys. All right. Thanks, Adam. Best to you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, All right. Dan. All right. There you have it, Adam Gladstone. We're going to now make our next connection with uh, one of the smartest guys in the sports business field, good friend of mine uh, for a long, long time. And I first met him when he was sort of the sales manager or business side leader of the Washington Capitals, one of my best friends in the world, uh, who's been in San Francisco, San Anselmo area for about 25, 30 years now is David Rubenstein, and David's boss was Andy Dolich, and uh, Andy uh, was brought in was brought in to, to be a part of the Capitals management team way back in 1976, and he corrected me last night. He, um, he came to the Capitals from the Maryland Arrows, to give you uh, kind of some context of, of, of the level of sports this gentleman has worked in, and he's an old friend, Andy Dolich. He joins us right now in the bat around. Andy, how are you? 
I'm great. Uh, old friend. You mean we've been friends for a long time. Let's put it that way. All right. That's fine. That's fine and dandy. Hey, um, I wanted to have you on. I, Rubenstein and I were texting the other day, and I said, did you work for them? I, I remembered he hadn't worked for them from the from their inception, the Capitals. And he said, my first day was the last game of the first season. And then he went on to a, a good, what, four or five-year run with the Capitals. But you became his boss in 1976, which would have been, what, their third year in existence, right. the Capitals? Yeah, I skipped the eight-win season. And then <laughs> I always think about the fact that I worked for the 76ers, as we've talked about, in their 9-73 and 73 season. With Steve, uh, Steve, Mix was their, Steve Mix was their star. Uh, well, I don't. You can't be a star when you're nine and seventy-three. Yes. yes. Uh, but but uh, I didn't work there in the eight-win season. But the great part about hockey is there's ties, uh, so we didn't have <laughs> all those losses. But uh, I was in there when the Caps were really trying to establish a foundation in D.C. and uh, Rubenstein, the greatest self-positioned uh, salesperson in the history of American sports. Uh, we had to sell season tickets, and doing it in the summer in Washington, Baltimore, when it's 98 degrees and 103% humidity isn't the easiest thing to do. It's kind of like selling ice to the Eskimos, almost. In a, rever- in a reverse aspect, yeah. I totally agree. Now, your position, you were hired to be sort of the general sales manager back then, or were you more on the... The, the entire business side back when you first joined the Capitals in 76? Yeah, it was more of the entire business side. So we had uh, Max McNabb, the father of Peter McNabb, who went on to have a great uh, career in the NHL. Max was the general manager. Tommy McVie was the coach. Peter O'Malley, who was Abe Poland's uh, consigliere, the man who helped get... Um, the, the the franchise for Washington D.C. He was the team. Aid, he was the team know. president, right? Yes. Okay, and I'd so forgotten that he, name for a long time. Yep. Yeah, Peter was one of the smartest operatives, uh, a major force in politics in the area. Actually, Steny Hoyer uh, and Peter were very very close friends. Peter was a political operative in the most positive sense back those days. Yeah because you don't want to say political operative today. You throw somebody under the bus. <laughs> but Peter Peter was a tremendous organizer. Uh, the Caps, I mean, hockey in D.C., not exactly a great history. And my job, uh, I guess in today's world, it would be the COO, as you look at sports front offices, everything that had to do with generating revenue, advertising, promotion, broadcast, that was all the responsibility of the group that we put together. So I'm just curious, 1976, you've been through the, the wars at every different league and, and all different levels, always high up in management. D- does what the Capitals uh, accomplished over the last couple of weeks, did it resonate with you as something like, hey, this is pretty neat, I started with these guys, you know, I was there at the beginning. Absolutely. And the more that I think about it over the past week or so, 
it's brought a lot of people together. Uh, there's another guy we were sort of like Mo Larry and Curly named Roger Moskowitz. I remember Roger, Roger very well. Roger works for Monumental. Yep. So when I got the job with uh, Oakland A's, I brought David and Roger with me to the West Coast, and then Roger decided to go back. So Roger has to be one of the longest-serving uh, capitals, cap center, uh, as they've moved through all these different uh, levels of winning and losing. But you always have it in your DNA that any team that you work with, whether it suffers or whether it gets to the highest level of championship, as the Caps did, you celebrate it. So lots of emails and tweets and texts between all the people that had it. I mean, David Aldridge, David Steele, yep. um, writers, and so many other people. And that really, as we've talked about on the show before, is the wonderful part about sports. I mean, seeing the celebration outside the arena uh, when the game was taking place thousands of miles away you know, that's great. And I worked for the Warriors and saw the same thing happen last night. We're, we're partners with Monumental Sports, so I know Zach, Ted's son, uh, pretty well. I've never met Ted, but, uh, you know, obviously a big admirer of what he's accomplished both at uh, uh, America Online and, uh, you know, whatever he's done. He's just been at the top of his game. Would, would, would a u- reunion for all caps employees over the years or the most significant 100 of them would that be something that would be interesting to guys like you and david to come back in for (laughs) absolutely i don't know anybody else that would be interested in it because (laughs) uh the observation that you just made if you think about a team and i was thinking about it it's like wow that's 40 plus years ago yeah so think about how many people have worked for that franchise, have played for that franchise, right? Have brought pucks into practice from yep. that franchise, coaches. Um, that would be a pretty amazing type of an event, more so for the people that experienced it, whether it's uh, Robert Picard or uh, Tommy McVie or... Uh, Guy Sharon yep. or Hartland Monahan and all the other great players. Yvonne Labray, right? Uh, you, you got it. Yep. Uh, and as you mentioned that, you know, we had a difficult time getting people to be able to pronounce the names. And this was before sort of the Europeanization, um, you know, where you have Kuznetsov and you have Ovechkin and you have players, you know, from uh, all over Scandinavia playing for teams. I think hockey's got to be one of the toughest sports to announce. And, you know, I think of Ron Weber, yep. um, who helped sell uh, through his incredible work on the radio, helped sell the biscuit in the basket to people throughout the Washington-Baltimore area. It's just brought it's brought back a flood of memories for me. Now, you're a, you're a Philly guy originally, correct? Or well, I'm a Brooklyn You're born, a Brooklyn born Long but Island raised, but I guess I have that East Coast swagger that some people on the West Coast don't like very much. 
what, but um, I'm an East Coast guy who's been out here for a long time. What, what what hit me during the last week or 10 days, it reminded me through my joy of watching the Caps accomplish this, uh, accomplish this, it reminded me, though, of the bittersweet history Baltimore hockey had. Were you around the sports world? Do you remember much about when the NHL was six teams and they were going to uh, they were going to double their their league to twelve? They were going to have two teams out west, two in the Midwest, and two on the East Coast again. And Baltimore, going into that expansion hunt, was considered a favorite early on until they came and toured the Civic Center and saw what the deficiencies in that building were. Do you remember that Well, at my all? memory was the inside was the NHL stood for the Norris Hockey League. Okay. So the Norris family were the owner of the Detroit Red Wings and the Wirtz family, the owner of the Blackhawks. And then you had the Rangers and, of course, Toronto and, and Montreal, so and the it Bruins. really was and the Bruins, such yeah. a you know yeah such a smaller entity at that time, family controlled, and to think about where hockey has come, all the sports, but where yeah. hockey has has matured to these days is pretty amazing. And was it the Baltimore Blades? I can't even remember. Well, here, here's what it was: we had the Baltimore Clippers which were right. an American Hockey League franchise. And if you remember, if you only had six NHL teams, your six teams or eight teams in that next AAA league were pretty damn good players. There were players like Jean Rattel, Eddie Jacquemin, uh, uh, Ulf Sterner that were in the American Hockey League. So the Clippers, we were a farm club of the Rangers. And then the Blades came after we lost out on getting an NHL franchise the World Hockey League had a team that was collapsing in either right. Detroit or Houston. I think it was Houston. They were the Arrows, and they moved midseason 74 to Baltimore, and that really was kind of the death knell to hockey in Baltimore is when that league collapsed, they had to go back to the drawing board, and they got an Eastern Hockey League team, which was lower than, than the AHL. Yeah, and you think about it, mentioning Eddie Jacquemin from the Rangers, and I think back, I first started watching the Rangers on TV in New York when I was growing up, and I still have a difficult time understanding how goalies, like my favorite, Gump Worsley, sure. played without a mask. Goalies uh, played without, without a, a mask. mask. Yep, yep. And, and, of course, none of the players had these windshields, and nobody wore helmets. Talk about a tough group of guys. Um, in all the sports that I've worked in, uh, the hockey players, especially since you know we had mostly Canadian American players, they were the best group of guys because they earned everything. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't come from sort of this elite background in college and all that, and they were just a really good group of people, both on and off the ice, and the toughest SOPs that I've ever seen. It's it's interesting to catch up with you on this topic. You and I always find some commonality of things to talk about, but it was funny as this week developed and and yesterday when I had the day to sit there, I said, you know, I'd really like, I know it's a baseball talk show, but I'd like to talk to somebody that might really remember what it was like. You worked for Abe for how many years there in Washington? 
Well, I was with the team for two years, but the two years before that, I was the VP of operations for the Maryland Arrows, the indoor box lacrosse team. And we played in the summer, and believe it or not, Stan, there were players in our league that played in regular season NHL, uh, but there were no gigantic salaries. Uh, Doug Favell, uh, Rick Dudley, some other stars in the NHL actually played in the National Lacrosse League in the summer to earn some extra bucks and to stay in shape. So we played in the old Cap Center. We did pretty well in attendance, and that really sort of got the attention of the Caps to look at what we were doing, and that got me the job offer to come over and work with Peter O'Malley and Abe. Um, And, you know, then I went over to the Washington Diplomats. So I was in the marketplace for a long time, went to American University, and Abe always exemplified to me, the kind of quality that you want in an owner. And I think Ted Leonsis definitely has it. Yep. You know, he's not always in the media every day, yapping and jawing about something. He hires the best people that he can. He lets them do their job. And, you know, luckily it can end up, you know, with a parade. I'm still waiting to see whether, the White House visit is going to be Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Orlov. <laughs> only, only three Russians. Maybe we should uh, see maybe if put, this works. Maybe Vladimir and will come. Maybe Vladimir will no, come. No, that's over. my point. Yeah. So Donald could have his best friend, Vladimir, and the five of them could celebrate. How cool would that be? I love it. I love it. Andy, always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll get back to some baseball talk down the road a few weeks. All right. You got it. All Thanks, right, I'm gonna I'm Go gonna count. work on I'm gonna work on trying to get Roger on our TV show sometime in the near future, and I'm gonna hatch that idea about a reunion of all the Caps original. He, he'll he'll do it. He's a great relationship guy. He's seen it as much as anybody. I right. uh, have a great rest of the weekend. All right, you too, and thanks for fitting us in. All right. Sure. There you have it, Andy Dolich, one of the best guys in sports business um, and a good friend. We are going to take a time out right now, and I will tell you about and then we'll be back and joined by Hank Allen, talk a little bit about Triple Crown. I know it's the bat around, but we're uh, multitasking today. We're out of our one sport realm. Let's talk about... Ken Island's original sports bar, and that's a place where it doesn't matter what sport you like to watch, you're going to enjoy yourself there. It's Ken Island's original sports bar, located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. On the way down or back to or from the Eastern Shore, there's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. Great place to watch the O's or the Nats, and in their seasons, the Wizards or the Caps. You can also watch the Triple Crown race there today. They've got the best bar grub around. Sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs, all there for you at Ken Island's Original Sports Bar, Big Bats Cafe. Please tell Steve Garland that you heard about him from Stan the Fan. Okay, so what do you get when you combine the Chick-fil-A Vanilla Ice Dream and their Simply Orange Juice? Well, introducing the all-new Frosted Sunrise from our friends at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. It's perfect with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Nothing refreshes like the Chick-fil-A Frosted Sunrise. And hey, if you prefer lemon, try the Frosted Lemonade. Don't forget to think about Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square as well. For all of your catering needs, graduation parties coming up, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard, in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Kevin Ack profiles former Oriole Ben McDonald, who's gone from a somewhat disappointing career as a pitcher to being a beloved figure in the broadcast booth. Plus, a recap of Ozzie Newsom's final NFL draft and more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash Sports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Get sizzling summer savings on a huge selection of new Mitsubishis this month at Jerry's. Are you shopping SUVs? Then you owe it to yourself to check out a Mitsubishi Outlander or the new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's, both with 0% financing available, plus no payments until September. Or drive off in a new Mitsubishi Mirage from Jerry's for as low as $9,100. Plus, every new Mitsubishi comes with Jerry's exclusive extended service care. Visit Jerry's Mitsubishi today on Joppa Road and online at Jerry's. JerrysMitsubishi.com. Special financing with approved credit. Sale ends 6 And we are back on the batter round. Hank Allen to due to join us in just about 45 seconds, but I just want to tell you an old friend of mine in the PR world has reached out to me today. Always a smart business guy in the world of sports. He wanted me to read this, and I'm happy to help him because it's helping a good cause. Capitals fans can own a piece of historic history and help out local children by ordering a special limited edition four-puck hockey set to honor the team's first Stanley Cup win. It benefits the Capitals team charity of the Fort DuPont Ice Arena, which has a special Kids on Ice program Go to www.nicocosports, N-I-K-C-O, sports.com. That's www.nicocosports.com to order or call toll-free at 1-800-345-2868. You get the official Stanley Cup puck plus three other player pucks of Ovi Oshi. And the goalie, Brendan Holtby. All right, that's compliments of Nico Sports. You can buy that and help out a local charity affiliated with the Capitals. Joining us right now is a guy who played some baseball in the nation's capital, Hank Allen, a famous brother of Richie Allen, also a good baseball player in his own, and 
a horse racing trainer as well. Hank Allen, you had the whole package, didn't you? Hey, listen, we try to do the best we could. Hey, you lived in Washington for a few years down there. Can you get any sense of how excited the people are down there right now? Oh, they're they're just beside themselves. It's been many years since they've had a champion. I think the Redskins was the last uh, uh, champion uh, club that they've had here. So they're just beside themselves right now. And that was pre. It's a great environment and atmosphere now. And that's pre Dan Snyder. We want to make that clear. Pre Dan Snyder. All right. Joining us now is Hank Allen. Uh, I was a big fan of yours, a bigger fan of your brother's. And how is your brother, Richie, doing these days? As a matter of fact, today he's been inducted into the uh, Negro Hall of Fame today out in Kansas City. He's doing well. Do those things mean a lot to him today? The The picture oh, I had of him goodness, yes. the picture he, I had of him at 25 to 27 years old, he seemed like he was almost like, almost like the Terrell Owens of his time, who's this week has said he's going to decline coming to the Hall of Fame. Can you imagine that? No, no. I'll tell you, (laughs) sometimes people say things. I I would find that very hard to believe. You you still think he'll show up? I believe so. Yeah, I think it's really the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, Anytime when you've been to be honored among your peers in in whatever sport. Yep. That's an honor that uh, can't be denied, I'm yep. telling you. I agree. But but those kind of things for Richie today are very meaningful for him, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. He was very honored when he got the call and uh, he was he's been excited about it ever since. All right. Well, I had you on today not to talk about the Houston Astros, although uh, they're a fascinating team. I, I I had you on to talk horse racing, but I do have to get one quick question in on a, a pitching prospect the Astros have uh, named Whitley. Is his first name Forrest? Yes. Forrest Whitley. He was suspended for 50 games for use of some type of illegal substance um, that he probably didn't know he was putting into his body. But can you tell me how good a prospect this guy is? Well, they they thought that this kid was going to be among some of our, our better players that we have on the roster right now, you know. Wow. And it's just unfortunate when a young kid, sometimes, you know, when you're young and you take vitamins and sometimes you don't know what's in those vitamins that you're taking, uh, that can cause uh, those positives uh, to come about. And somehow when you begin to take whatever vitamin, you should probably ask somebody to have them tested so that you want to make sure that something like that does not happen. But that was a real setback for us to have something like that happen. But we'll go with it, and he'll rebound from it and be a better person for it. He pitched last night his first game of the year. He pitched uh, down in the Gulf Coast League, I think, and he pitched, I think, four innings and gave up one hit or something like that. Yeah. Pitched very well. Do you think he yes, could be he a? Did. Do you think he could be a factor out of the bullpen for the Astros later this season? Possibly. It, it, it it's possible, but you know it's hard for a young guy to come into a a, a very tight situation like that and expect him to be able to handle handle that from an emotional standpoint, 
especially if you've not done it before. So what? Uh, pitching out of the bullpen is basically a mental thing. Mm-hmm. You have to become uh, adjusted to that. I, optimally, what would you think the Astros now would hope that he he could get to Double A and finish very strongly enough to yes. really be ready yes. to compete for a job next year? Maybe. Absolutely, and seeing you don't want to rush a kid or overdo it because you can destroy a kid's future sometimes when you put them in situations that they've not been in before. And so it'd be better for him just to go ahead and play the season out and then come back and start from the beginning next year. You know, the Orioles got some bad news last night. Hunter Harvey was scratched from his start, and there was some type of medical term but uh, Gary Thorne said it really amounts to shoulder instability. That can't be good news for the Baltimore Orioles. No. As a matter of fact, I saw him last week. I was down there at Bowie to see uh, Britton pitch, and he started the game. Hunter uh, Harvey started the game. Velocity and everything was there. He presented himself well, but just couldn't command his pitches. He, hmm. he had a very difficult time getting out of the first inning. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. All right. We're talking with Hank Allen. The reason we had him on wasn't to talk baseball. It's to talk about horse racing, and there can be no bigger day in the sport. It's kind of like Thursday night. It's, it's you got a chance to win the Stanley Cup is pretty big, and now we're two days later, and you got a chance for a horse to win the Triple Crown. Uh, how exciting is this for you as a member of the racing industry, the racing fraternity? Oh, this is exciting because, you know, very seldom do you see horses like this come along uh, uh, once in a lifetime, but to see a horse who's had such a short career so far, uh, but he's shown great ability and good intelligence uh, so far in his races. You know, this is exciting time. Anytime that a uh, horse is going for the Triple Crown in previous years, that we've seen some horses display themselves to have great ability. But, boy, when it came up to the Belmont, they, they weren't, weren't able to get it done, to name a few. Spectacular bid, uh, California Chrome, a few others, you know. And, silver, uh, what was silver, silver Charm? What was the horse? Yeah. And, sit, and yeah. what was the other? Real, real, real quiet. Was it real, real quiet? Real quiet. Yep. Stafford trained him as yep. well, yes. So yes. how great, I mean, you you know when you smell a baseball player, you know Manny Machado's great. You know your brother was a great player. You knew Frank Howard was great. You knew Frank Robinson was great. Is How easy is it to tell what a trainer is accomplishing, that, whether it's partly due to his his planning and his execution of things? Well, most of the time, as a, uh, an elder trainer told me when I first started out, and he was an elderly man, he was 90 years, 90 some years old at that time, that with a trainer, the horse makes the trainer. Mm-hmm. And good horses, good horses need good trainers. But bad trainers can make bad horses. And the same thing applies with baseball players. You know, good players need to have good coaches and managers. But bad coaches and managers can make bad players. I hear and you. And so when you see a, 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 an individual who has the talent, that's something that's God-given. The best thing that you can do is just put some polish on it. But the, the, his ability is innate. That's something that he's been born with. 
Interesting. We're talking with Hank Allen, longtime Major League Baseball player, longtime scout, also horse racing trainer. You told me about this horse right, you know, when I, every time I see you in March or early April, we start talking about the Triple Crown a little bit. And you were the first person to mention this horse to me this year. Um, and you've, you've been a believer in him since day one. What did you see about him that had you thinking he could pull this off? Well, early on, I saw, I've seen all of his races. I saw his very first race, and he just displaced that thing called it. Mm-hmm. And he has it. It's something that sets apart an individual when you see them, the way that they carry themselves and can go about their business and what they do, the way he started out as a young horse and he handled himself very well. He does everything with class. He moves gracefully handles himself extremely well on a racetrack, waits until a rider asks him to go. You know, he doesn't try to fight the rider. Mm -hmm. He has good intelligence along with that ability. And those are the things that sets a a horse apart. You mentioned the rider and the the horse not fighting the rider. Can can a rider, and he's got one of the most veteran guys around in 52-year-old Mike Smith on top of him, can the rider help make the horse a rider goes along for the ride and can assist this horse and again he's listening to the horse and he wants to find out what he likes to do and allows him to do it when he's able you know when he's able to he doesn't try he doesn't try to get him to do something that he's not able to do for for instance supposing you were to take this horse every horse has its own style and he runs the way that he likes to run we see this horse can run on the front end. He has plenty of speed. He's a big, strong horse. But supposing a rider decided, okay, I want to take him back to last and, and then make him a one run. Well, you, you know, those are the wrong kind of things to do. A rider has to be in tune with the horse. They're one of the same when he's on it. And he has to know what this horse likes to do. And that's one of the things that, that comes from experience from a rider's standpoint. And a rider can tell how much horse he has under him as he's riding along, and he uses his hands. A horse goes by, he, listen to, he listens to the rider through his hands as, he, as they're traveling uh, along in a race. And Mike is one of the best to be able to judge the pace of the race and knowing what a horse likes to do. This race, of course, uh, we hear it every year. The Belmont is a different animal than the mile-and-a-quarter Kentucky Derby or the mile and three sixteenth Preakness. It's a mile and a half, uh, extra length in there, uh, an extra, what, two furlongs it is, right? Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about how you expect Mike Smith and Bob Baffert to want to execute this race. Do you expect him to be more off the pace, or will he read the pace, and if it's slow, he'll be right out there? Well, one of the first things I think uh, uh, for him, uh, he has to have a good break. He's in one hole, which is is, is okay being that this race is a mile and a half. He has to have a good break. And the second thing is I'd like to see him get off the rail. Okay. And then be able to set right on the pace as they're going along. And um, one of the things here, I think, with, with, the, with the fractions of the race, if they go in that first quarter and 24 and change and maybe 25, 
for the first quarter, somewhere in there. He should be sitting right off the pace. They get to the half right around um, somewhere around 49 to 50, right in there. The race will be set up just perfectly for him. Now, one of the things in there, you've got a couple of horses in there. Todd Fletcher's horse, at Noble Indy, he's fresh, but he's got speed. And, you know, Todd's going to apply the pressure on, on uh, try to apply, apply the pressure on Justify here to make him speed it up. But uh, Bafford brought along a horse called Restoring Hope, who has speed. And so he can kind of help him take some of that pressure off of uh, Justify uh, with going up to the front with Noble Indy. And that would allow Justify to set off of, uh, off of those horses going down the backside. Those those other parts of the entry are owned by different people, correct? I mean, yes. I think okay. Are they actually trying to assist justify win the triple crown, or are and no, they're no, actually no, trying no. to win as much money as possible? You're trying to win as much money as possible because in a horse race anything can happen. But keep in mind now. They're running for a million and a half first. If you run second or third in you still make a you're nice. Still, you're still picking up a substantial amount of money in that race. But does Bob Baffert, like a Hank Allen would, if the race has this much cachet and means that much, would he be putting those horses in if he really thought they could beat uh, Justify? Well, here you're, you're trying. Not only are you trying to win. If something were to happen in a race, then if this horse has the ability to go on yep. and he's in front of Justify and he has the ability to go on and he finds himself on the lead turning for home, he, he's going to go gonna for, go it. for it. Yep. Yes, indeed. Hey, yes, indeed. I'm looking at the weather and it says it's 82 degrees. Up, It will be 82 today. And it's partly cloudy, but there doesn't look to be any rain in the forecast right now. That would be great if uh, we get a dry track today. They were calling for a little rain earlier, maybe, but nothing like they had in the Derby or the Preakness. Nothing uh, shows up. Let me see. Uh, I don't see a bit of rain. I see nine o'clock. I see nine o'clock tonight. There looks oh, like there's some showers, but. Up until 8 o'clock, it's 75 degrees, 74 degrees, and not a hint of any rain right now. That would be great because what this means is that there will be no excuses. Whatever happens in the race, everybody gets the same same track. If one, one track won't uh, favor any horse, and the off track won't favor a horse who likes it. it this it evens out the race right here. Before and I, we'll get a true, true winner today. Before I let you go, it's interesting. Justify won in a pretty heavy rain at in Kentucky at Churchill Downs, won in a total downpour and a really muddy going. Yet you say good when, when I say there's no rain. Is it really better for this horse to have a good, a good uh, firm surface as opposed to a surface that he's won twice over? Well, I've seen him run on a dry track when he first started out, and he handled those horses, and he handled the race just like he's handled the rest of them. Good horses take yep. the track with them. They don't need any excuses at all. All right. You know, it might compromise him a little bit, but 
he'll handle it. There are those that saw the at the last you know hundred yards or two hundred yards of the Preakness that say this horse will never hold up for a, a mile and a half. Do you think the kind of weather, the fog, and the fact he had a substantial lead had a little to do with uh, perhaps Mike Smith taking his foot off the throttle? I, I, I don't think so. You know, sometimes when you, you're coming into a situation like that and where, uh, you, you know, your horse is running on a different track sometimes, uh, you know, he may have thought he couldn't see the other horses uh-huh. how close they were. Some horses will pull themselves up if there's no competition near them. And if they can't see them, yep. when they do see them or hear them, they'll get back into it again. The big question here is, did the previous races, the Derby and the Preakness, did it improve his, uh, his fitness or did it exhaust him? But he appears to be in good shape right now. He's trained well coming up to this. He had two great works. And so and I saw him gallop the other day when he got to got to uh, Belmont there in New York. And, boy, he looks as fit as a fiddle. Hey, last, qu- last question. I lied to you. I said that was the last question. Is the extra, <laughs> does the extra week factor in here, and might it give yeah, him absolutely. enough extra juice to, to win this? Yes. Okay. Yes. It is. And the reason that I say that, after he won the Derby, he didn't do much training at all coming up to the Preakness, and that may have factored into the reason that the other horses were coming to him at the end. Because he walked for four days after that, and then he jogged for a day or two, and then he went back and he just galloped up to the race and uh, coming to the Preakness. And then he had to fly up here, you know. And so he didn't train. This time he had the opportunity to train. He worked twice in between. All of the things point to this horse being in, in the best of shape coming into this race. All right, Hank, I'll talk to you next April, right? That's, okay, when we'll, that's when we'll talk again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on. All right. Always appreciate care. your insights. All right. The great Hank All Allen, right. uh, not only a baseball player of some renown, not only a uh, scout of some renown, but a horse racing trainer as well. We're going to take our final break and come back to wrap this baby up. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values. Earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. 
Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Second 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Oriole podcast around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts don't miss the action at royal farms arena when your baltimore brigade takes the field friday june 15th against the washington valor enjoy fun for the whole family including our post-game field party when you can meet the entire brigade team. Get yourself in the game for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com today. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka looks at the final NFL draft for Ozzie Newsom as Ravens general manager and how he's built the franchise over the last two decades. Additionally, what does the future hold for UMBC after their historic NCAA tournament win over Virginia? Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, that, podcast. Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron and Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com And we are back to wrap things up. A big thank you to Brittany Everett for uh, running traffic today. She did a great job as usual. Uh, Craig Heiss should be back in next Saturday with me. Reminder that tomorrow, Ken Zalas, Sarita Hubbard, Kyle Ottenheimer, Fantasy and Reality Show, football show from 10 to 12. And I'm sure he's starting to get percolating on some good information for the upcoming fantasy football season. Uh, Glenn Clark is usually heard Monday through Friday from 10 to 12, and he is this week. Only Glenn Clark won't be here on Monday and Tuesday. Kyle Ottenheimer and myself will be running the show, so we'll uh, get a good group of guests for those shows on Monday and Tuesday. That does wrap us up. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, let's hope Justify can uh, win this Triple Crown today, and hopefully the Orioles, well, there's not a lot of hope right now in Mudville. We'll see you next week.